Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Presented by Mosing Motor Cars. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are live here in Austin, Texas, and we are fired up because we've, we've got a great show tonight. We've got Formula One starts testing in seven hours from right now. You're going to have Formula One cars on track. And this is John Massengill. i got Les Kaiser sitting next to me. And, oh, yeah. And on the line tonight, we've got Jonathan Green, of course, down from finishing up in New Zealand for the Toyota Racing Series. But we also have Mr. Steve Martin, the voice of World Superbikes and MotoGP for Fox Sports Australia. Steve Martin, I'm going to go to you first. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, guys. It's really good to be here, as always. I guess I haven't spoken to you since uh, the MotoGP last year, so I've had a bit of a... uh a bit of off time in the uh, in the winter here, the summer here. So uh, it's good to be back. So, so what keeps you busy during your summer? Well, do I, I do this one race per year, the uh, Phillip Island Classic? It's a classic race down here where um, uh, you know I get to ride around uh, and race against a few guys. But this year, um, my summer wasn't so relaxed because there was a few Americans that came over and uh, rained on our parade. No other than a guy called um, Colin Edwards. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Vaguely. Another guy called another guy called Jason Pridmore, and uh, also Jake Zemke came down. So uh, three very high-profile uh, American um, rider names that uh, came here and sort of upset me a little bit because they were very fast on my track, and that's not it, how it's meant to be. <laughs> Hey, well, we just got word from our producer that he, an old friend of yours is on the phone. Steve, we got Jonathan Green. Buddy, how's it going, man? Who's this Steve Martin guy? <laughs> you might have heard of him. I've heard of him. You, How are you, Steve? You guys are really trying to upset me now, aren't you? <laughs> now, now, listen, Steve. Are you coming to MotoGP at the Circuit of the Americas in April? Because you're invited by Speed City. They're paying. I- you know, I was you know I was there at the first one, Jonathan, and I loved it. I was there at the second one, Jonathan. I've had, had a couple of years off. I haven't seen your um, ugly mug for a while now, and uh, you know what? You could almost talk me into it because I love Texas. I love Austin All as right. well. It's a great city. Well, as we say in Texas, mi casa y tu casa, so get your ass over. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, well, I want to jump right into it because we're going to talk some Formula One here in a minute. But I want to start because we got Steve Martin on the line. I want to start with some two wheel stuff because the World Superbikes is back in action, and you were there for the whole bit of it this weekend down in Australia, Steve. So what, what's the what's the big story for this weekend? Yeah, we had a massive uh, weekend here at Phillip Island. A massive week, really, guys, because. Um, 
On the Monday, Tuesday, the official test got underway at Phillip Island for all the World Superbike uh, riders. They were out on track for a couple of days, um, testing out their new machines, getting ready for the, the weekend. But uh, on the weekend, we had uh, two big, big races. Of course, if you've been following the World Superbike Championship uh, in the past, you'll know that the Kawasaki machines have been pretty much dominant uh, throughout uh, the last three or four years and uh, winning every race they enter, especially here at Phillip Island. Um, Jonathan Ray's won like five out of the last six races. Well, they've changed the rules around a little bit now to um, drop the rev capacity of um, certain bikes. And the Kawasaki lost a lot of RPM, um, 1,100 RPM. They rev less than last year. And that has certainly slowed them down. Both Kawasaki's made it onto the podium this time round, but they really had to work for it. So they had a couple of offs, uh, big offs, so both the boys were injured. Jonathan Ray was also um, very sick, which didn't help his cause. He drifted back in race one, but in race two, he managed to get on the podium. Tom Sykes, uh, the other Kawasaki rider, got his best ever uh, finish at Phillip Pylon with a second in race one. Can you believe that? He hasn't won a race there yet. Um, wow. Probably due to his teammate more than anything. Yeah, but he looked great doing it. The big news, the big news of the weekend though, was Marco Melandri um, finally got the quartet that he's been looking for. He won in one two five. He's won in two fifty. He's won in MotoGP, but he's never won in World Superbike. And finally, he got a win uh, in race one on the Ducati. Uh, so that was his first win ever on a superbike. And what that means is that he's won in every class he's ever competed in. At uh, at Phillip Island, and then he backed it up again the next day by you know winning again. So that was a pretty good result for Ducati down there. Awesome, yeah. I know Ducati was had a fantastic weekend. In fact, I was just talking to the boys over at Ducati Austin last week, and they were talking about how the uh, the Panigale in in superbikes was still going to be running the um, the twin instead of the the four cylinder like. Like uh, that's just come out, and they were they were really expecting to have a, a good year. Mark was telling me he said, man, he's expecting uh, Ducati to have a, a really good year in superbikes. So it looks like it's starting off right. Well, well, I actually I had breakfast with Marco Melandri on um, the Wednesday morning before the event. Um, uh, we sat down and um, we got talking about that race that I was telling you about at the start of the show, the Phillip Island Classic. And I said to him, I said, ah, maybe you can come. I said, have you heard of it? And he goes, oh, yes, it's world famous. Of course I've heard of it. And I said, well, maybe you can come and ride for Australia. Um, uh, and he said, no, nah, I've got to win the World Superbike Championship. And on top of that, I said, well, that'll be pretty easy next year with the V4 Panigale. He said, no, I'm going to win it this year. Then he went on to win two races. So it was a pretty good breakfast for him. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, not bad. Not a bad start. Well, so um, so what are you expecting, Steve? You know, I mean, I know it's first race, first weekend. I mean, it, it, are what we seeing this weekend in Superbikes? Are we expecting that to be to carry out throughout the season? I mean, what are you what are you thinking for the rest of the season? What's what's your predictions? Well, I guess what nobody wants to see is a Ducati winning all year long and a. Kawasaki winning all year long, like it's been in the last couple of years. And that's why they've changed the rules. Initially at the start, what they've done is um, they've dropped revs off the Ducati, they've dropped uh, them off the Kawasaki, the ones that are the most competitive. But there's another rule on top of that, um, and it, it's quite technical, it's more deep than this, but the easy version is 
if um, a manufacturer, let's just choose Kawasaki, wins uh, three races in a row, then they can be have their revs uh, dropped again by Dorna, the governing body. So, um, you know, it gets slower and slower. So they slow down. The, whoever the, the most, whoever wins the most gets their bike slowed down. So eventually it'll get to a point where other manufacturers will start winning throughout the year. And, um, you know, it's going to be even more exciting. So it's going to be a great uh, thing. The other thing that we know is that Phillip Island, it's never really, it's, although it's a great uh, track, one of the best in the world, it's never really sets the scene for what happens throughout the rest of the year. I mean, they're heading to Buriam um, in Thailand in a few weeks. It's going to be hot and humid there. Um, it could even rain. So once again, you know, it might suit the different characteristics of another manufacturer or rider. Um, this year, I'm hoping that it's going to be really, really mixed up. I had a lot of uh, time and talk also with Eugene Laverty, who's the Milwaukee uh, Aprilia rider. He said that uh, his bike, the rules have certainly helped the Aprilia this year. And I, I don't know if you saw the races or not, but he was uh, leading there for a while until he flew over, flew over the handlebars and crashed out. But, um, you know, I saw him after the race and I said, well, you know, even though you crashed out, you've got to be happy with that because, you, you know, that's the most competitive the Aprilia's been in a long time. And, uh, yeah, even though he was limping, he was uh, pretty happy to, um, you know, say that. Other notable news is also uh, Jake um, Gagne has joined the uh, Red Bull Honda squad. He had his first ever ride uh, in the World Superbike, uh, his first ever ride in the full season on the World Superbike, I should say. And, um, you know, he found it difficult. Uh, Phillip Island's a difficult track to learn, that's for sure. But um, he sort of adapted well. Uh, he didn't finish uh, one of the races, but he really did manage to um, come to grips with everything. And I think we're going to see him uh, moving up through the field uh, throughout the year as well. Especially when they get to America, a track that he knows, uh, I think, you know, you want to go and support him at Laguna Seca there. Hey, Steve. Um, Steve, can you hear me? Yes, Jono. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, Jono. I do definitely want to talk. Yeah, I want to talk about a little bit about Jake Gagne, and I want to talk about also PJ Jacobson, who's moved up, who's our little protege that we've known since since he was a little boy, as it were. Um, yeah. But I want to talk handlebars yep. for a second. What's with that mustache with uh, <laughs> Laverty? I, can, I think that could be the reason why he fell over the handlebars, isn't it? <laughs> You know what? I wasn't brave enough to ask him about that. I kept on like trying to try and I, you know, I was drawn to that. So then I was looking in his eyes and like he was looking at me a bit weird. So I didn't know where to look. He really does need to do something about it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, as you know, I'm not a fashion guru, Jono, but um, I think that uh, Laverty's probably, he lives in Monaco. So you would think maybe that is the, the Monaco look. I don't know. I haven't been there for a while. He looks like the lead singer of the Sparks. Why don't you send him over a Texas cowboy outfit? And I reckon he'd wear that. And I reckon uh, I reckon he'd make a good-looking Texan, would a uh, good-looking American, would that uh, Laverty kid? Hey, I'm, I'm the Aprilia and Laverty. Uh, <laughs> I just want to quickly talk about um, also Savadori, um, his teammate. He, if you remember, Jono Savadori in 2014 yeah. when we were at World Superbike, he was going to win the World Super Stock Championship and fell off on the last corner of the last lap and didn't win. Remember that? At Mandy Cora, it was. I do. Like, he had it I in do. the bag. I do. I do. yeah. But uh, he, he didn't win. So anyway, now he's a factory Aprilia rider 
and um, he was going fast. He was very, very fast, um, leading at one point uh, throughout qualifying, but he fell off and broke his collarbone in two places, so uh, um, didn't really get show what he could do this year. What about PJ Jacobson? Because I know he had a crash, but he's moved up to Superbikes. Tell us a little bit about that and what else do you think um, uh, Jake Gagne's chances are on that Honda? How good is it? Well, you know what? The Honda, of course, it was a new model last year, so there's a, a lot of development still to come from that bike. Um, last year was a terrible year for the, um, you know, the reps, the uh, Red Bull Honda team um, with the, the passing of um, Hayden. So, you know, last year wasn't a good year for them at all. Um, but, uh, you know, onwards and forwards, uh, they've got um, Gagne in there now. Um, the other guy, as you say, PJ Jacobson, he's moved up to Superbike. I guess he's got a few more difficulties because, A, it's a privateer team. It's um, the Triple M team, but it's a brand new team into the paddocks. So the team are finding their feet. They're trying to work on a bike that's uh, new and, you know, they, they just can't go to Red Bull and say, well, give us a setup that works because Red Bull themselves are now fully in the development mode. The one thing that I do know is um, that, uh, you know, I went out on track. Um, on the two testing days in the Siberia corner. I know we've been there many times, Jono, standing uh, on the inside there watching the bikes come out. Everyone was looking smooth, but uh, Gagne, I don't know what his history is, but I bet you it's got something to do with sliding, um, you know, dirt track or something because he was, um, man, was he getting that thing sideways. And it was looking he's a, he's a surfer. like, um, was, <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, well, same. Yeah. He honestly looked like he was surfing that bike out of the corner because it was moving all over the place and he was doing some pretty radical moves on it to try and keep it upright, which he managed to do. But he needs to smooth his style out for a super bike, especially that one because it's definitely not the easiest one to ride. All right. Hey, boys, we need to put a pause in the action here because we've got to do a quick commercial break. That's not easy to do with these That's two. not easy to do. I was about to say, you did put me and Steve on the same airwaves again. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more World Superbikes and, and throw in a little MotoGP. But we're going to talk some Formula One because the cars are hitting the track in now six hours and 43 minutes. Over over the pond. So stick with us. You're listening to Speed City live in Austin. Back after these messages. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. 
Mosing Motorcars is Texas's only authorized dealer for Superformance products. Superformance's Mark III is the only Cobra replica built under license from Carroll Shelby. There's no finer example of a Cobra around. Mosing and Superformance is your supplier for all the great race cars of history. The GT40, the Mark III Cobra, the Corvette Grand Sport, and the Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. Mosing Motorcars, 2420 West Breaker Lane. Online at MosingMotorcars.com. Superformance and Mosing Motorcars. Drive yourself happy. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Catch up on the latest headlines anytime at Talk1370.com. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Welcome back to Speed City. We're excited because we're talking some World Superbikes and MotoGP because we got Mr. Steve Martin, the 2009 World Endurance Championship Champion for the Yamaha Austria Racing Team on the phone and uh, live from Australia. We also got Jonathan Green with us and me and Lester in the studio. But You know, we haven't had the chance to see Jonathan Green dance to Bruno Mars yet. Yeah, that That's was Bruno Mars up. who's going to be at Formula One, of course, here in Austin. Hey, Steve, and- I've, got to, I've got to interrupt and interject just a little bit here. So you heard our title sponsor there. I know Steve is into Mustangs. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh-oh. Hang on, let me interject here. I'm just, <laughs> because I was just listening to the list of adverts you've got there, and um, I'll tell you what, I'm pretty... Pretty, you know, I feel like going out and buying a Ducati from um, Ducati Austin. Um, I want to go to I want to go to Mosig Motors, and yeah, you know, I've got a Mustang, the muscle. I'm into my muscle cars big time, and that place sounds absolutely ridiculous. Oh yeah. And, and then and I had the rally. I mean, we don't have a rally place over here. What what's going on? You guys have got it sorted out there. I tell you what, next week I think uh, we're gonna try to talk global rally cross. Because it's coming oh, yeah, to yeah, Texas. Yeah. Coming to Austin, man. Coming to Coda. You heard about that, Steve? I, I haven't, but I know, I've got a good mate who's into Rallycross, actually. Jonathan Green. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> yeah, tell him about it, Jonathan. Uh-oh. We, we may have lost. He's got him disconnected because he's never speechless. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, thank you. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> so, yeah, Steve. So, Circuit of Americas is building a track right now for Rallycross out on the property. It's already looking great. And it is, uh, it's going to be the stop at the end of September, three weeks before Formula One. Tell you what, Steve, why don't you just spend from April to like October with us this year? Yeah, there we go. I'd love to do that. All you need to do is um, talk my family into it, and uh, I'll be happy. I mean, like, it's, you know, it's just a matter of, it's really crazy. I mean, like, yesterday, um, you know, like you're counting down to MotoGP, uh, sorry, to the um, F1 testing, like, less than 12 hours ago, I was interviewing Marco Melandri on the grid, 
um, and talking to you know all of the superbike riders and, and getting the um, interviews with them after the races when they're on the podium and it was great. But this morning here, I'm just like you know slapping my kids about getting them to get to school and, and doing the dirty washing. So everything's <laughs> back to normal here now. <laughs> the life of a superstar. Yeah. Doing the doing the world superbike for Fox Sports, and the next morning you're doing laundry and getting kids off to breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, well, Steve, I, I want to. I love it, but I will say, <laughs> go ahead. One thing is that uh, I did take my kids to school in my 1965 Mustang this morning, and there's not many oh. of those around in Australia, so uh, the school loves it when I go there. It's got straight through pipes, um, and it's really loud, and I always give it a bit of a rev. Awesome. So, folks, yeah, what Steve's talking about is, is not just a Mustang. I mean, yes, it's a fastback Mustang, but it's a K-Code. That's the one step from a Shelby. And so, you know, they're pretty rare even stateside. But but in Australia, that's like way better than any Ferrari or Lamborghini that rolls by. Yeah, the, the Ferrari guys don't look at me so much, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah, I bet not. Uh, well, Steve, while we're waiting on Jonathan to get back connected and we talk a little more two wheels, I want to, I mean, look, I, I, uh, I know you know Formula One, and I know that being a competitor like you are, you, you know what these guys are going through right now, and everybody's Hello. about to start to, hey, <laughs> Jonathan's, Jonathan's back. <laughs> Maybe he well, did I'll just think what, of something to say. I'll tell you say. what they're going through. I'll tell you what they're going through right now, six hours before um, they're about to get into that car. Then Jonathan can tell you all the ins and outs. But um, right now, um, these guys, they're nervous. Um, it's the start of the most important year of their life for all of them. Every year is the most important year. Um, you know, there's changes, um, rule changes. Um, uh, there's a lot of talk in the paddock and, you know, everything needs to be put straight. Egos, it's um, all of that sort of stuff. Um, as they head out onto the track for the first time. Nobody really knows who's going to sit where. They're all hoping that they've got the fastest car. It's, um, it's you know, this is probably the most important run out of the year for bragging rights. Well, I know that it is. there's some, a tremendous amount of stories about what's going to happen and what everybody's excited for. But I know, uh, you know, for me, the biggest one is how Haas is going to do, of course, our American Formula One team. But right after that, for me, the, one of the most exciting things is going to be watching how McLaren does with the new Renault engine and, you know, with, with Alonso behind a machine, the wheel of a machine that's got some reliability. But I, I think, would you agree that's got to be one of the big stories? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, that's that's what this season is all about. It's about, um, you know, taking the excuses away from the drivers. And um, I guess now that, um, you know, there is that reliability for Alonso, um, that excuse is gone. So now he's got to perform. Yeah, that's true. The pressure's on. Jonathan, I know you have been at the start of many a season, but uh, what, what are you expecting for tomorrow? I mean, I know it's start of the season. It's testing but still, it's it's so exciting to have cars on track. Yeah, and I agree with Steve. I think um, this is always a critical time of the year because no one really knows what who's got what. Um, there's been quite a few rule changes, um, and there's been quite a few shenanigans when it comes to engines. Um, my biggest interest um, will be, yes, how good Haas are. Uh, I think it's the prettiest car for sure, so they've won that game. Um, and I think they've done a big leap forward. Um, but the question remains, Renault. Renault have got a big target on their back. They've got their own team. 
uh, and they've got two fast young drivers. Um, but they've given their engine, their factory engine, to two of the most successful teams in Formula One. And when I say given, they've had Red Bull for 10 years and they've got Red Bull again. Um, but they've now given it to McLaren. And McLaren are desperate to bounce back. And I'm here in New Zealand where McLaren was born. And um, there's a lot of excitement over here for what they can do and a lot of anticipation. But the question mark is, will Renault actually be able to beat the two teams it supplied? So, in other words, how good is its chassis mm-hmm. compared to McLaren's and Red Bull's? Because Red Bull have had plenty of time to develop it. Uh, they've got Adrian Newey back. Um, it should be, and it looks like a beautiful machine. Um, but that's my big question mark, is just how good Renault can be versus Ferrari. And as we know, Ferrari are uh, also backing Haas. Um, so it's going to be interesting. You know, Jonathan, just a quick question on, just a quick question, Jonathan, from me. I'm, I'm not heavily into F1, but if Renault are supplying other people engines, do they have to be the same specification or can Renault have an engine that's a little bit better? Well, that is a very good question because, uh, as you well know, in, in Superbikes and MotoGP, uh, it's generally the factory that gets the best stuff first. And you'd think that Renault um, will want to do it that way. But with the size that, I mean, you, you remember how Red Bull were castigated by, uh, sorry, how Renault were castigated by Red Bull over the years. And then last year, the engine started to perform at the same sort of level as Ferrari and Mercedes. So I think, like I said, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, because their investment is probably not as big as Red Bull's. So they want Renault, as an engine manufacturer, to win. Uh, and Red Bull's probably its best chance of winning because the Enstone Renault factory is much smaller. Um, but it's a very good question. And, and like I said, it's a double-edged sword, how they actually supply uh, those and how open they are to, to work with those teams. Already, Renault have said that they're really enjoying working with McLaren because it's just a different operation. Well, you know what, boys? We've got all of these guys are going to be on the track in Catalonia, track Catalonia-Barcelona for Monday through Thursday. But, um, you know, one thing I want to talk about, you talk about the engines, but the cars themselves, I've been looking really closely at all the different cars. And the thing that that's striking me is they've made some pretty significant aerodynamic changes. The way the cars are shaped particularly the side pods. It seems like, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but the yeah. side the side pods look smaller. Like d- when you're looking at the car straight on, right? Right. The air inlets, they look smaller than they did last year on on multiple cars. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know what's different. I, know, I was particularly noticing on the McLaren, I thought, well, is it because of the, the Renault engine is different than the Honda and, and it's the way the air flow? But I, then I noticed it on, on more than one car. So I don't know what's changed. I don't know if there's... You know, I, I don't know, but it sure seems like a whole bunch of them have a quite a quite a different shape to the cars, too. I mean, are you asking me? Yeah, Jonathan, sure. Jump in. I think I think that that's a reaction to last year's uh, new tires. I think um, remember they went big, bigger on the tires, yep, bigger, much speaking. wider. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that they've now had a year to develop them. They've also got more tires. They've got more. Um, choice of tyres this year, so there's up to seven sets now they can pick from. Um, so I think that maybe that's what you're saying is a combination of um, the development of working with those tyres, adding the halo, uh, which is going to make a big difference to weight, 
So uh, they've upped the weight a little bit and they may be trying to, you know, downsize on the side pods or at least weight wise and also work with the tires better. That's my theory anyway. But I'll 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 I'll, I'll put my uh, John Massengale, Adrian Newey hat on and, and tell you to look at that one over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because the way the 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 side pods so the being different i mean being smaller with less air going inside they've also got more air coming around the car maybe even under the car and just the way all that goes i, I don't know if it is that makes sense though jonathan with the bigger wider tires and all the higher g forces they're pulling well you know they also you know we teased it that we figured out where the D- ducati winglets went oh on, yeah onto the williams <laughs> yeah but honestly i have not seen any photos showing that area in close enough detail to see if those winglets are still back there below the dorsal yeah here's another here's another one for you boys i was talking about renault renault launched their digital picture of their car uh this week and in fact it was last year's car painted up as this year's car so they haven't actually shown what their car looks like yet so um yeah it's gonna be an interesting day because there's definitely some espionage in a good way going on in Formula One because Renault didn't want to show their car or they hadn't finished it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, boys, we got to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue all these discussions. Listen to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas. And we're going to just do these quick messages and we'll be back with you. racetrack it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance such are the nameplates you'll find at aston martin of austin lotus of austin bentley austin and rolls-royce motorcars austin exotic iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride highway 183 north of mcneil road Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, don't matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it, we'll make you better. Hi there, my name's Derek Bell, this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. All right, welcome back to Speed City. We are really excited because we got Steve Martin on the line, who spent many years in World Superbikes and uh, is down there in Australia for the voice of Fox Sports for World Superbikes and MotoGP. And so, and we also got Jonathan down in New Zealand, of course. You'll be, hey, Jonathan, you'll be back in the States next week, man. What is it? Uh, when do you leave? You leave tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'm leaving tonight. Yeah, so basically tomorrow your time because it's uh, I'm a day ahead of you. So I'll be back Monday. Yeah, and uh, looking forward to getting back back in the groove of Austin, Texas. All right. Well, I want you two guys to talk a little MotoGP. What do you What are you thinking this year, Steve? Are you uh, Are you thinking that uh, we're going to see a lot of what we did last year? Or what about uh, What about all the players? 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a crazy year this year in MotoGP for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, you've got to think that Mark Marquez is obviously, you know, the one to watch. It looks like the Honda at the moment is also very competitive at the test that Brewery Ram in Thailand that they had a couple of weeks ago. Um, the Honda was fastest um, in every session, but it was Danny Pedrosa that was overall fastest, believe it or not. So um, it's going to be an interesting year to see um, how... You know that that all pound, uh, pans out. Um, on top of that, though, I guess the biggest story for me and the conundrum is still Ducati. I mean, their 2018 model bike um, at Sepang, Orge Lorenzo gets on it and does the fastest ever lap time around the circuit, and then he goes to the next track, and <laughs> before you know it, he is uh, like the last guy on the track, two seconds off the pace. So. Um, you know, like there's a bit of infighting already uh, in the MotoGP paddock uh, in between Ducati with all the head boffins there saying, well, if he can't get within a second or 0.3 of a second of the fastest guys, how can he be blaming the bike? It's got to be a, a rider problem. Um, for the Australian uh, side of things, our uh, Jack Miller looks like he's going to be having a good year. He's always in the top five or six. He's moved from Honda onto Ducati and uh, it seems that he suits the, the riding style of that bike. Of course, the Ducati's always been a bit different to, to ride. Guys like Valentino Rossi couldn't figure out how to do it. He went there for a couple of years and moved back to Yamaha. Um, in testing, of course, uh, he hasn't gone uh, too too badly. But uh, once again, you've got to ask yourself, you know, is the light dimming on Valentino Rossi's, um, yeah. you know, story? Because uh, he was... 10th basically overall in the testing which means that uh, you know it's not what we're used to seeing Rossi while he's out there though you know you've got to believe that he thinks he can get a win this year so I, I hope he does what about Zarco I mean he's been one of the new uh, you know the up-and-comers coming out of Moto2 you know champion and everything what about Johan Zarco yeah, well, I, I think Johan Zarco was a pain in the butt for Yamaha because he's too fast on, on you know, whatever, you know, the Yamaha riders say is no good. Oh, yeah, no, the 18 bike is no good. Zarco gets on it and goes faster. So that doesn't look good for the factory Yamaha, which was why I asked Jonathan that F1 story um, before, you know, about the engines and that. Because in MotoGP, um, yes, Zarco is a factory Yamaha rider, but he always has one or two versions behind um, the factory guys. The factory guys have the latest winglets, they have the latest fairings and the latest engines um, and, you know, electronics before they go to the uh, Tech 3 team. Another interesting thing that has just happened as well, I don't know Tech if you three. guys follow closely MotoGP over there or not, is that um, the Tech 3 team is actually changing from Yamaha next year to KTM. Yeah. Big story, that. What's so that's going that to be. Thing? Well, I guess the thing is, is um, it's it's a bit of a backstory to what I was just talking about before. Um, the fact that um, you know, while they're with Yamaha, they're always going to be receiving second best, third best equipment. When they go to KTM, they will have uh, full factory support. And if their riders, whoever they are, they're not confirmed at the moment. But if their riders say we want um, a pink seat cover they will get a pink seat cover where that's just not the case at the moment at Yamaha. So they can, you know, they can effectively uh, become a developmental team and, and work uh, in a way that they want to. So I guess for um, 
Perve Poncherel, the team owner there at Tech 3, it's, um, it's a dream of his. It's going to mean that he's uh, finally, for the first time, going to become a factory team, which is, you know, it's a big thing um, in MotoGP world. Steve, i got a question for you. You mentioned Ducati, and we watched, obviously, with our sponsors, a uh, big part of what we do at Sweet City. Uh, we followed Ducati very closely. And last year, it looked as though they turned a corner. And, of course, they took on Lorenzo, who struggled. Um, but I just wonder, and, and as a fellow Australian, probably the only Australian who's faster than Stoner around Phillip Island, whether you can ask me, whether you can tell me whether it, the stoner factor is what's missing out of, of Ducati. Is it because it's such a precise car, I mean, such a precise uh, bike, that, um, that, you know, the only way you get the best out of it is to have a rider that, of, of stoner's kind of capabilities? Well, you know, stoner was a cowboy. He rode the bike like a, like a, um, a, a rodeo. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, it was like, he had the thing sliding all over the place. It didn't actually matter how the bike handled because it was never in a straight line. It was always like um, left, right, spinning, wheeling, nose wheeling. It was out of control. It was awesome to watch. It was a great display. Uh, Lorenzo is a completely different rider for that. He needs everything to be right. He needs the stars to be aligned. He needs to be in the right mood. He needs to get out of bed on the right side. Um, he needs the tyres to be right. He needs to have a good trip into the circuit um, and, you know, put the right helmet on and do it up the right way. When all that happens, he is absolutely unbeatable. But there's, uh, you compare that to Davizioso, Davizioso is a little bit easier going. You know, like, you know, he can catch the taxi or, or ride a push bike to the track and um, still, you know, get on and do the job. And and that's the thing, is that Davizioso last year was a sensational rider. He proved what the Ducati could do week in, week out. He almost probably even won more races uh, than Honda, I think. If not, it was very similar. Um, just had a bit of bad luck here at Phillip Island, actually, where um, for whatever reason, the Ducatis were just off the pace. Um, they're still scratching their heads about that one. But if he had had a good good weekend here... He would have been the world champion. So there's nothing essentially wrong with the bike. I mean, Jack Miller's got on the Ducati and um, gone well. Um, you know, Ducati is so confident in the V4 um, format now that they've had in MotoGP uh, for all of those years that, uh, there's, as you know, there's the new V4 Panigale coming out, which is heavily, um, you know, takes the, the development from the MotoGP bike. So you can effectively get now... Um, that, you know, GP feel uh, as a road bike, I don't know if they've come out in, um, in America yet, but they're certainly almost hitting the shores here. They've had the world launch. Um, it's a reality now. Yeah, Steve, I was talking to the guys last week at Ducati Austin. They said they've got a ton of pre-orders already. They've uh, A whole bunch of them, they said. And and that's uh, it's going to be a huge – I mean, it's such a huge story, right, with the, the four-cylinder now. But, I mean, you, you'd be a good person to, to talk about this. I mean, how close to a MotoGP bike is this going to – I mean, I, I know World Superbike is real close, but how close to a MotoGP bike is this street bike going to be? Well, it's, it's – you know, there's still going to be a massive difference. But lap time difference between World Superbike and MotoGP bike. So from a road bike to the MotoGP bike, a big difference. But if you take that bike and then hot it up a little bit, 
not much difference at all. Like a superbike, so yeah. Effectively, a world, yeah, a world superbike is a road bike potted up, and that is what makes a MotoGP bike. You're going to have probably, you know, um, a, a second or a second and a half difference, but it's definitely going to be a hell of a lot faster than anything. But what Ducati will make sure of is that um, the performance of the bike is uh, incredible. I've already spoken to um, some of the testers that have ridden the bike. Um, Michael Neves from MCN in, in um, went to the world launch. Um, my editor for the magazine I wrote, wrote, went, wrote right for, he's also ridden it. And they just say that you get on that bike and um, bear in mind that they've ridden every other model of um thousand cc bike there is is that that um that ducati of course it's coming in two versions as well i think 1100 version is the the road version then there's a race version which is a thousand but the 1100 version is um it's just incredible it's going to wipe the doors um and set a new level set a new bar and that's the only reason ducati would bring it out is if they were going to set a new bar they would never bring it out to make it the same as like the bikes that are out there, it's uh, it's going to be big news when it hits the showroom floor. Man, it's so exciting to those guys at Ducati are just going crazy over there with all the uh, excitement from this bike because, I mean, it, it's obviously an insane street performing bike. What is it less two hundred horsepower? Or? Yeah, it's up a little more than that nowadays, and so it's going to be uh, it's going to be great to see it come out. I've you know, I mean, somebody said you know the the Panigale's become long in the tooth, and it's time for a refresh. Well, we've got it. That's awesome. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you ahead, say Steve. that. Yeah, hang on. You just you say you say the Panigale's long in the tooth. It just I just want to remind you that uh, less than twelve hours ago, it just won two World Superbike <laughs> races. With yeah, Mark and Landry. It's hard to argue, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good point, Steve. I think maybe they're just tired of seeing the same thing. I don't know. It's long in the tooth in the production, you know, in a in a marketing and I mean it's can you imagine taking your average person and going, You tell me the difference between these two bikes, you know, on the street. That's it's not gonna happen. So but but you gotta have wagon rights and and bench racing rights and all that stuff. But yeah, so um, well, boys, we do need to take a break, but when we come back, we're gonna have a, we're gonna we're get the the studio completely crowded because we have another guest on the line because we got Kai Gwynn on the phone from Circuit of the Americas talking about the new karting that's going on out at Circuit of the Americas. Oh, and it's cool. Yeah, so so stick with us to hear about that. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. 
Bozing Motor Cars is Central Texas's source for classic performance cars. British, German, Italian, Japanese, and American. Ready for that special car you've always dreamed of? Bozing has you covered. Looking to sell a classic? Let Mosing handle all the details and get that special vehicle in the hands of the right buyer. Visit the showroom at 2420 West Breaker Lane or call 512-821-9491 or browse the garage online at MosingMotorCars.com. Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. Listen to your favorite shows. Keep up with the latest breaking news and more anytime at Talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. This is Alex Kearney. This is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Well, speaking of Bruno Mars bringing us back, we've got our next guest from Circuit of the Americas. Bruno Mars, of course, is going to be playing Formula One this year. But our next guest is from Circuit of the Americas because they've been doing something. They've made a little adjustments out in the parking lot. Les, why don't you introduce our next guest? Little adjustments, big adjustments. All <laughs> right, so if you were here at Formula One, you saw some commotion going on over in Lot A. Well, it is completely finished now. It is a world-class karting track out there. The service is primo. They even striped it like on the circuit. I know. It looks so, like a mini circuit. It's it, awesome. It does. It's great. And so, uh, you know, I had to check it out. They're finally ready to talk publicly about what the big plan is. So, my buddy Kai is going to get us caught up. Evening, Kai. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you guys for having me on. You yeah, bet. Thanks for so, coming on. So, so we've been uh, drooling on the cart layout out there. Give us the lowdown on everything that is uh, that is cart related. What's going on? Well, <clears throat> we obviously, like I said, we debuted for Formula One, trying to get it out there, let people know that we had something coming up. <clears throat> and now it is finished. We are finishing up. We are looking to open up in the middle of March uh, every day. We'll be open seven days a week, roughly 10 hours a day. Uh, we have lots going on with it. It's a, Obviously, it's a 13-turn uh, track with it. Um, it's painted to match a big track. So, you know, we're trying to keep all, all of the pros of having the big racetrack with it falling on with the track here, as far as karting goes, um, we are offering different levels of it. So you have your junior, your rookie and your champ carts. And we are also doing a little bit different things than what people are allowing in different other tracks. Um, here we're allowing kids to graduate classes. So our champ class That's obviously cool. requires a driver license, and those do 50 to 55 miles an hour on the track, so we're requiring the driver license on that. But we're giving racing classes, racing leagues. We're doing pretty much doing all of it and allowing people to graduate and kind of offer a full driving experience here at Coda. You know, this is what we've been looking for, all the young kids that talk about getting into racing is it well, all every, the stories start there yeah every single big race driver starts with his story in karting and now here in austin at circuit of the americas we've got that place for kids to start i mean and kai you know i know you guys have spent a lot of time getting this thing ready but don't you agree that this is and and is this track as good as any karting track anywhere but this is where kids can start to to go through their, their motorsports career Exactly. This is that's kind of what you know. Like you said, everybody starts here. All the the big racers. This is where they all start. And what better place to have that than on an actual circuit? 
you know, um, that's kind of one of the biggest pros that we have for everyone else. You know, there's plenty of karting tracks out there, but you're not going to get that feel of being able to learn how to race on the actual circuit track as well. So what about the ages? What as, as You talk about the different classes, but what's the ages? And, and I know there's even some height requirements. So we don't really have ages. Um, as far as what it goes for is the height. Um, the height is 48 inches, and you're allowed to get into our junior carts. Um, and then our rookie and champ carts, uh, you will have to at least be 410. So if you're at least 410, um, and then as far as the champ carts, like I said, they will have to have 16, I guess we do, we do Picard, just sorry about that, um, 16 with a driver license and a parental waiver um, to allow them to race on that. But like I was saying earlier, we're also offering a racing academy uh, once we open up here. So we'll teach you how to go through all the apexing, braking, everything, the whole nine yards. And if you come and take that class and you're racing in the rookie uh, class and you, you know, say you're a 14-year-old kid and you're, you know, you're, you're faster than everybody else and you want to be able to race into the champ carts and your parents want to allow it, well, then you come take our racing academy, you get a good lap time one of the lap times that are, you know, higher lap times that we set up there, then we allow you to get a coder racing license, which um, if the parents sign off on it, then we allow them to race in the champ carts as well. Les, I'll, I'll sign off for you, Les, and I'll be your parent, parental Thanks, guardian. but who's, who's going to sign off for Jonathan? <laughs> That's a good question. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, Kai, tell us, tell us how to find it. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming on the website. Uh, yes. So on the website of Circuit America's website, we are actually working on our website right now for Coda Karting. Um, it'll be under the venue tab and it'll have its own, its own thing. Once you click on there, you'll be able to book races online, see what we have going on. Um, we're going to offer it. Obviously, we're going to offer the, the suites up here that we usually sell out for Formula One on an average date. Somebody can come up here and rent them out as party rooms. The velocity will be open. Um, we'll be serving food. Uh, like I said, awesome. everything will be either via mobile app. We have a code of carding app that's out. So you can check on times, buy gift cards, uh, challenge friends to come and race the whole nine yards. Awesome. I'm looking at it right now, circuitoftheamericas.com slash carding, where you've got a little bit of information, including the rules, regs, and the waivers that you can uh, that you can download and sign all those. Well, well, Kai, thanks I'm for coming on, a, buddy. Uh, Speed City Grand Prix <laughs> in the making. Yeah, again. there we go, there we go. Well, Kai, thanks for coming no on, problem. man. We really appreciate it, and uh, we will see you soon. I'm sure. Yes, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All righty, take care, buddy. Yeah, man, I, I think we ought to get uh, you, me, and Jonathan out there, and uh, we're see gonna get who... Steve up here to to moderate and commentate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, hey, hey Steve's a good cotter. Uh-oh. You, okay. d- you done a little card, yeah. Steve? <laughs> Guys, yeah. this was not a good show for you to get me to come on to. Now, like, <laughs> you've rubbed it in with the Mosig, the Caddy DMV. Now you've <laughs> told me you've got one of the best um, go-kart circuits in the world. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> We're trying to get you up here, Steve. You know what's working. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, we are now, let's look at the clock. We are now uh, six hours and seven minutes away from Formula One uh, hitting the, the uh, in Barcelona, hitting the track with some cars testing. And, you know, we've got, they, they've announced all the, the drivers, and but we still haven't seen a couple of the cars. There's still a couple of cars that we that have not hit, that have not done a reveal. So it's going to be a little bit more than just testing. But, but Jonathan, tell me, tell me what you're looking for this week from, uh, from Formula One testing. Well, obviously, all eyes have got to be on McLaren. Um, I mean, it's been a disastrous few years. And like I said, you really feel it when you're in New Zealand 
because um, obviously uh, <laughs> that's where it all began. So they got to bounce back. Uh, that's one story, obviously, and obviously Alonso's not going to stick around uh, unless they do. Um, so that's one story for me. Can Mercedes keep the pressure on? Um, will they drop the ball? Uh, how good will Botas bounce back? Um, we know that Hamilton is continued to be motivated, um, but how good will they be? Uh, and obviously, I really want to know just how good the Toro Rosso is going to be, because I think that could be the quiet, rumbling story, because Honda, after four years of basically throwing it away, have got a real reason to bounce back and create, a, a, a finally get that engine to fruition and start to do with Brendan Hartley um, something special. So I'm really interested to see how they go. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, that's a good thought. That's going to be interesting to watch. So, you know, the uh, the, the big thing is, of course, they've got so little time in Formula One to do testing. It, I mean, this is hugely important because there's just not there's so little time that they get to do any to put cars on track before racing. Exactly, and it's going to be interesting. Australia, it's a really weird one. Australia, and uh, Steve will tell you this from Phillip Island. You know, Australia Formula One is a bit like Phillip Island uh, in bikes, is that you can't tell everything, but you can get an indication of uh, what it's going to be like as a season. Um, I think it's going to be one, it's going to be a mighty season, especially in the midfield battle. I think Haas, Force India, Toro Rosso and McLaren are all, and Renault are all going to be together on track. And I think that could be an almighty battle. That's going to be probably more interesting than watching the battle at the front between um, Mercedes and, I expect, Red Bull. Yeah, Steve, I want to get your Jonathan, take on all this. Quickly, yeah. Well, yeah, I just want to ask Jonathan a quick question. I mean, he mentioned before about the tyres. Obviously, you know, I used to be a Pirelli tyre tester a long time ago, and you were saying that um, they're bought in a whole load of new compounds and that now. Um, what are they hoping to achieve by doing that? I mean, I mean, do they just... Just not want to ride, drive around, and have them all slipping around, or is Pirelli trying to actually give some tyres that you know that work better on different cars? I, I really don't know. They've gone from five sets to seven sets, um, and they're also making less engines. They're only allowed, uh, I think, three engines this year. Um, I, I, I really don't know the answer to that. I know that the, the compounds that they've chosen, the Pirellis that they've chosen, are, are more softer, which means that you could probably go faster, but for less long. And you, like you say, you, you're a Pirelli test rider in your day. You know exactly what that means. And you know that Pirelli can make a tyre to last for four days or three laps. Um, and, and, of course, <laughs> yeah. Formula One has forced Pirelli to make shorter and shorter length times of, uh, of basically optimal tyre. Um, and so I think that you may get a, a situation where they're trying to create um, a chance where a tyre can be quick for 10 laps, but then you have to come in and change it. The other question I've got just quickly is is why why have some of the teams, you know, they're going to be on track in about six hours. Why are they so scared of letting the other teams see their new car? Is there a reason behind that or is it just the way it is? No, I, I, to be honest, I think, you know, um, what do they say? Imitation is flattery. I think that honestly, uh, anybody who's got something special and we only have to look back to the days of Braun F1 with Jensen Button's World Championship. Uh, and the diffusers, they came out and they stole the show, won all the races and became world champions because they did something different that nobody else had thought of. So the, the longer you can keep your car under wraps, um, the better, um, if, especially if you've got something innovative.
Um, and I think we're at that stage now where, um, you know, to beat Mercedes, you're going to have to pull something at your butt, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on, on our track down here, of course, um, you know, the F1 will, is obviously coming here first off. Um, I just want to let you guys know that uh, it's a street circuit, as you know. They are actually starting to build it all up at the moment. So it is, um, as Ooh, we yeah. speak... Um, the bollards and things are being, it's really quite, you know, being living in Melbourne um, at this time of year, it's just crazy because, you know, like um, roads are starting to get blocked off. The buzz starts really early because they actually have to make the track and block roads off. We love it down here. Um, you know, it's really good having that road circuit. Uh, it obviously, you know, it gets a great, uh, you know, turnout as well. So, um, just sort of let you know that. I'm excited. Yeah, man. Steve, you stole my question because I know that uh, it's got to be getting exciting down there with, uh, what are we now, what, 20-something days, under 30 days left to uh, Australia. Well, boys, we've had a blast at, with the, with the show tonight, and we are running out of time. But, of course, we're going to try to get Steve up here to do some karting. I think so. And, uh, Steve, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna, I think maybe we should put you in, pit you and Jonathan against each other as well. Oh. I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because like he's been telling me for the last fifteen years that he's faster than me. I just don't I am. Even think that. <laughs> All right, I guys. Am. I think that's only in talking. There's only one way to settle this, but we gotta go, boys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming on, Steve. I appreciate it. Jonathan, we'll see you in person next week, man. Very excited to have you back. Thanks for tuning in to Speed City tonight. Check us out on our website, Thanks, Speed guys. City Broadcast, and talk to you the same time next Sunday night. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.